0: Welcome to the Surrounded by Valor podcast, episode three. My name is Mary. I'm a mom, wife, nurse, athlete, and coach. I'm not really an expert on anything, but I value conversation and connection, and my intention with this podcast is to share thoughts, ideas, and have discussions with people I find inspiring. The definition of Valor is to have courage in the face of danger, and I really try to surround myself by people who embody Valor. These people help me live better, and hopefully you too. I can't think of anyone who defines valor more clearly than my husband, Kurt. We met about 25 years ago on a bike ride. We're both multi-sport athletes. And today's conversation is with him. He's a husband, father, athlete, coach, and a survivor of malignant melanoma. I want to tell you his accolades, first of all, because he would never tell them to you himself, and I'm a proud wife. But I want to illustrate that he is a very healthy guy. He is a five-time national champion, twice in triathlon, three times in duathlon. He's been on the podium at nationals 15 times. He's a multiple-time Kona qualifier. He went once. Ironman isn't his favorite distance. He's earned a silver medal at the World Duathlon Championships, a bronze medal at the World Sprint Triathlon Championships, and he's got accolades that I could go on for days about. So as I said, he is a survivor of malignant melanoma. Just a little background on what that is. Melanoma is a skin cancer, and it occurs when the pigment-producing cells that give color to the skin become cancerous. There are three types of skin cancer. Basal cell, which is the most common, squamous cell, which is the second most common, and melanoma, which is most serious and the deadliest one. If caught and treated early, melanoma has a good survival rate, but once it spreads, it it can become more difficult to treat. So when one undergoes surgery for removal, they will also remove what is called the sentinel lymph nodes, which are the lymph nodes closest to where the cancer source is. They inject a blue dye into you before you have surgery and that lights up the lymph nodes. And during surgery, the first or several lymph nodes closest to the site are removed. So you can think of the lymph nodes as a highway to the rest of the body. Typically, when a melanoma is deep enough, greater than one millimeter thickness, they'll do that. And I don't know if that's true across the board. Check with your doctor. But that's the concern. Once it hits the lymph nodes, then there's a problem. Spoiler alert, we were very lucky and had no spread to the lymph nodes. But according to some research, melanoma can grow very quickly and become life-threatening in as little as six weeks. So I'm excited to talk to my husband and have him share his story, because I think it can help you, too. Hi, Kurt. Thanks for joining us today. (laughs) Hi, Mary. (laughs) Um, My first question for you is, how did you know that something was wrong?
1: Um, It was like a spontaneous mole that appeared on my right shoulder. Even though it wasn't a mole, it kind of resembled one, at least texture-wise, I guess, if you could call it. it. It was pink in nature and kind of looked like an eraser head on a pencil. Um, and the first time you saw it, you advised me, you might want to get that checked out. And, of course, as a typical husband, I ignored that advice, which could, could have been disastrous for me.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing that and saying that's something's not right and the weird thing was is it wasn't a mole, but we don't have a great way to describe it. It was like it was almost like a blister popped up. Um so how long between when we first noticed this to when you actually saw a doctor?
1: Well, I think the mole, even though it wasn't a mole, cropped up in April and um I was dragging my feet on the dermatologist. I'm not the biggest fan of going to see medical. Um, When it started to bleed after my swim workouts, just drying off of the towel, then I knew it was a concern. Uh, If if I didn't say this, uh, it cropped up in April, probably started to bleed in May. My treatment for that was to put a Band-Aid over it, And then we went to a race in early June, Big Fish, Little Fish, which is in New York State, and we were speaking with one of our friends from Buffalo, who was a lifeguard as a teenager, and she got burnt several times. Um, She actually had several cancerous spots on her back that were treated, and she had mentioned in the conversation about my spot, well, if it hasn't bled, you should be okay. And then we said, "Uh uh-oh.
0: So essentially, two and a half months passed before you sought medical, right?
1: Yes. Yep, that's the case. And what was interesting, because it was bleeding, and of course, I read a little bit about it and how that's um, a major danger sign. The first dermatologist I called, and this is just post-COVID, they were booked up months. And um, so they gave me a referral to a different dermatologist, and I mentioned that it was bleeding, and they got me in early July. And that appointment was interesting. Um, they basically burn out the mole or the, the blister, right, and then send it in to have it sampled. Um, they numbed me up with some Novocaine um, before they burned it out, and they said, you shouldn't feel anything, but I felt a lot with that. And at that point in time, I didn't know this, but the thickness was 2.54 millimeters, which is almost stage 3 melanoma. Um,
0: so just to back up a little bit, as I mentioned earlier, melanoma can grow very quickly and become life-threatening in as little as 6 weeks. And another thing that we've learned that's interesting about melanoma is the staging is different than a cancer, you know, not a I don't want to say regular cancer, but it's very different than other cancers and there's there's a lot of nuances involved, but 2.4 put him in a in a pretty potentially deadly range. So, um, but we didn't know that yet. And didn't they call you to tell you this on a Sunday?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I got a phone call from the dermatologist. Like he said, on Sunday, they left me a voicemail and I immediately called them back and they said it was malig- It came back positive for malignant melanoma, which was absolutely shocking. It was a kick in the gut. Right. Um, so you heard the word cancer,
0: and you thought what? Death. Yeah, as anyone would, especially with the word malignant attached to it. So we got the diagnosis over the phone, and then what were the next steps that you took with the doctor? Because you were just seeing a regular der- the, the dermatologist at this point, right?
1: Right, the dermatologist's um, physician's assistant, actually, and she was great. Um, they made an appointment for next, the week after for a surgeon over at Strong, Dr. Prieto, um, which has a very interesting history. I did some research on him, which is easy enough through their webpage. And Dr. Prieto specializes in skin cancer. His father died of skin cancer. So he dedicated his life to eradicate it. Um, And he's also a triathlete. Did not didn't know that originally, but super doctor. So I went to see him and um, he gave me the lowdown of what my stage was and I walked out of that office white as a ghost. It was very, very frightening and it wasn't super promising. Um, and we scheduled surgery for his earliest time frame, for his earliest scheduled time frame in August.
0: So we had surgery scheduled for August. You weren't feeling that great. Um, you had some races in July that didn't go well. I remember you had a, you developed an injury probably because of all the stress. You had some trouble at muscle man. I remember you crashed coming out of transition. I don't think you were able to finish the race because of your injury. Um, and a lot of stuff just kind of was snowballing. And again, if I didn't mention it three times already, this can become life threatening in as little as six weeks. And we're weeks into this at this point. So what was the waiting like for you?
1: Oh, the waiting was excruciating. Um, yeah, prior to the diagnosis, I was feeling feeling some weird cycles with um, fatigue. Uh, one week I'd feel super good, and the following week I would feel like super gassed and i couldn't produce much power in the bike the run was okay but i felt some fatigue in the pool so it was was really odd okay so even the training was up and down a little bit i had registered for big fish little fish in new york state and went to that race and that that went well and then the following weekend or a couple weekends down the road we went to uh dorchester try down near binghamton That went well right up to the first mile on the run, and then I blow my Achilles out on a very steep uphill uh, on their dam um, and basically limped to the finish line. But other than that, I got some good points for USAT, Mm -hmm. (laughs) All-American. So it was okay, but I knew going into mini muscle, which is the next scheduled race, that the Achilles was probably going to prevent me from running um and that race was really weird um i had nothing but problems getting it it, it was kind of interesting with in the races because it was time trial star i think three to four people started yeah. at timed intervals and i timed myself to go a couple intervals behind you because i'd like to try to catch up and keep you in sight so when i came out of the water i saw you in transition which i knew it was going to be a good point and then you got out of transition out on the bike course before me and i said well okay as long as i can keep her in sight i can use her as a use mary as a carrot to catch her um and uh, j- uh mounting my bike my feet slipped off my shoes because i have them clipped into pedals and i plow into a cone and fall down and then i get back up again and try it again and the second time i do the same thing the <laughs> The volunteer says you might want to take your shoes off your pedals and do it that way which eventually I did by that time you were so far gone there was no way I could catch you and then during the bike race I had an odd bout of that fatigue again uh, going up the hill um, that shows up about a mile into the race and I was super gassed on the hill and it took me probably half the bike course to feel normal again so I Caught some people that had passed me before, um, and then I go into transition and try to attempt to run, and I can't. So I have a wrecked Achilles from that previous race. Now, is that part of the symptoms of cancer? Who knows?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, your body's fighting off this cancer that's been brewing for months, and you can't discount the emotional stress that that a potential, you know, a a bad diagnosis that, you know has on you. You just can't. So I knew you weren't yourself that day. And what was interesting is some people noticed that and they're like, whoa, I caught Kurt on the bike. And we didn't tell anyone what was going on. And and for some people that can be tough. So why did you not really share what was going on while it was happening?
1: I'm a very private person. So I, I felt hesitant to let anybody know other than my very close friends of the situation I was in um but you enlightened me on maybe getting the word out could actually help people right go see a dermatologist catch catch something early in the stages and not go through something that I I was going through so then we put it up on Facebook that I was fighting this Mm -hmm. right Yep. And I know we got, what, 40-some people to go see the dermatologist. And at least one of them came back and did say thank you about providing that information because they actually found a spot on his scalp that happened to be melanoma. And luckily enough, it was stage zero, so all they had to do was really burn that out.
0: Yeah, backing up a little bit, um, we had we had that big gap between diagnosis and actual surgery. I think initially your surgery was scheduled for the end of August, but we were able to get it for Friday the 13th, which was the day before your birthday, the day after our anniversary. Um, and tell us a little bit about what, what that surgery was like for you.
1: I've had surgery before on my back, so it was kind of status quo, um, Dr. Prieto explained exactly what they're going to do. They were going to remove remove a bunch of tissue around the uh, melanoma site, and then they were going to go into the armpit, the sentinel node armpit, and remove several of the lymph nodes because they were going to test those too for cancer. Um, and it's still at that point in time, and correct me if I'm wrong, he still said it wasn't a good outcome.
0: right. Right. He said that he was, you know, he expressed concern because the, the staging appeared to be advanced. The depth was pretty deep. Um, but, you know, to a couple days later, well, I don't think it was even a week maybe that we got the results that by the literally the grace of God, everything was clear, right?
1: Yes. And that waiting time was excruciating and every little niggle or muscle pain i felt in my body i thought it was something else cropping up um yeah it was it was a rough wait but when yeah, he called me personally and he said everything was clear with the lymph nodes what a big sigh of relief that was and it was so positive that he had decided that therapy did not require chemo or
0: um immunotherapy,
1: immunotherapy. um so I lucked out that way.
0: They did, um, I believe, I remember them uh, starting you on a topical chemotherapy. Talk about a little bit what that regimen was like, because you you were in with the doctor every three months, I think. I can't remember, because I'm a good wife, but tell us a little bit about what that regimen was like for at least the past year, I think.
1: Right. So I was involved in two doctors, Dr. Young with the dermatology office who actually went to the same medical school as Dr. Prieto. So they were friends. Dr. Young went into uh, plastic surgery. So we we know what that's about. I'm kidding. (laughs) But no, Dr. Young was great. There was a treatment, a topical um, chemotherapy, if you want to call it, uh, the product's called fluorouracil. Mm -hmm. And um, you have to do several weeks of applying it on different sections of your face and it, it burns the skin to beat red right um and actually it was this was still during the masking stage for covid so i actually lucked out because i was every time i went out i wore a mask and people didn't see my burning skin and um that was applying that right, you know, on the face, on the nose, on the chin, and eventually uh, my forehead and scalp, which I could cover with a hat. So I, I lucked out that way. The only person, the only people that saw me when I was beat red were the swim buddies over mm-hmm. at the Y. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you were like red man. So what was the purpose of the fluorouracil? Did it like react with cancer and turn red? Is that why you were so red man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, It definitely burns the skin, but its purpose is to um, basically eliminate any suspect lesions on your skin that could turn into cancer. Um, So I had to apply it on anything that was exposed to the sun on my face.
0: And you also had to go through a protocol of serial ultrasounds every few months?
1: Yes, every, um, every three months, go in for ultrasound. Um, as those become negative, it gets extended out to six months and then once a year. And it's the same thing with the dermatologist. I'm going to go every three months to see the dermatologist. And then eventually, as things progress away from the cancer, that'll get bumped out to every six months because it was melanoma.
0: So by all accounts right now, you're considered to be cancer-free. And do you worry about it? Is it something you think about on a daily basis? Or have you kind of been able to move past
1: it? I've moved past it for the most part. Um, But Dr. Prieto said melanomas doesn't always play by the rules. So everything could be clear to that sentinel node lymph nodes doesn't mean something else could be brewing. So that's in the background a little bit, but I don't dwell on it. Um, I definitely make sure I feel my armpit and lymph nodes to make sure they're not swollen. And if they do show any types of swelling, uh, I promptly call the doctor for, um, an appointment. Um, I bring that up because one of my racing friends from the national circuit went through skin cancer. His depth was less than mine. Did a similar surgery. His was on his chest, a burn area, right? Um, did the same thing, removed a bunch of you know, tissue around the site. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what follow-up he did. Unfortunately for him, it came back as eye cancer and eventually uh, killed him.
0: A lot of people will say that cancer changes them fundamentally, and so my question for you is, do you think that this has changed you in any way?
1: Absolutely, but I probably don't show it much. But I do give thanks that I'm healthy currently and I'm able to enjoy the activities I enjoy and, and, and to be here with, with my family. So it's very subtle, but I do appreciate the gift that I've been given.
0: So what would your advice be to anybody listening?
1: Anybody listening who spends any time in the sun, cover up. That's either with clothing or a good sunscreen, sunblock. Actually, one of our family friends, Alan, mentioned a combo that he uses that his dermatologist recommended to him because he had a couple of spots that were melanoma, stage zero. And it's called Blue Lizard. I think it's manufactured in Australia. It's a super sunblock, um, waterproof. And then she advised seal it in with a spray type of um, sunscreen, kind of like Banana Boat. So whenever I go out and ride my bike, if, if any of my skin is not covered, I use that combination. Um, For any type of short course or Olympic distance racing, it's the same thing. Anything that's not covered up with my race kit gets that combo. Um, And then the other thing is make an appointment with a dermatologist. If you had any sunburn, any stage in your life, you should have your skin checked. Um, It's an easy appointment. They're great. They'll check anything out. Send it in if it's suspect. Don't go through what I went through don't go through folks who unfortunately have passed away because of it. Uh, It's a super easy preventative.
0: And as we talked about in the beginning, melanoma when caught early is very treatable. It's when it gets further on that, you know, the danger really gets high. But I do have one last question for you, Kurt. You know what I do for a living, right? I'm a nurse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why? I've been a nurse for, I don't know, since we met, right? Why did you not listen to your wife when she noticed the spot on your shoulder?
1: Husband, wife, uh, goes in one ear, goes out the other. Isn't it tradition for the husband to ignore the wife? Um, I, I don't have a good reason for that, other than I could have been, man, I was kicking myself in the ass, for not going in early once the original diagnosis came back i can't tell you how many times i kicked myself in the butt for that um stupid on my part maybe it was because when i actually had pneumonia and you thought it was the man flu so i didn't trust you i don't yeah. know
0: kurt's doctor said to me when he had the flu he for some reason pneumonia. i went in with him and he goes see this x-ray that's called infiltrate. That's pneumonia. And I go, oh, but he has the whole right lobe to breathe. Come on. But in all seriousness, I know that you are a private person, um, and I do appreciate you coming on and sharing your story because I, I do think that it can help people. I think one of the reasons that people don't get um, checked right away or you know don't go to the doctor is appointments are tough to get. You're often told no first or they're booked or there are months of waiting. Or just pure denial because, you know, for various reasons. So I think we're just really grateful that we did get lucky and we did win that lotto. So once again, I want to thank you, Kurt. Anything else you'd like to add before we close up?
1: No, that's it. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Surrounded by Valor podcast.